0: You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio.
1: Welcome inside Hour 2 of the program. Jason Smith and Doug Gottlieb in for Dan and the Danettes on today. Happy Memorial Day. And, uh, you know, today, Doug, it's always it's always fun to be around my dad. It's fun to be around my dad every day. Well, not most. Some days it's not. But Memorial Day, you know, my dad served in the military. Uh, he was in Vietnam. He was in the Navy. And he has the best Memorial Day joke I've ever heard that never fails to just capture everybody's attention, and he gives you the punchline, and it's just, oh, my God. Can, can I tell you real fast? Yeah. Tell, okay. So, my, like I said, my dad was in Vietnam. He's on a ship. Um, the USS Duluth was his ship. And one of the best things in his life, he'll tell you, was when he moved out here and we went to visit his ship because it was docked in San Diego, and he walked on. He's telling all these stories. I'm going, oh, my God. It was, it was the greatest thing in his life. And this is the first time I heard the joke. And he'll tell it in mixed company, and it doesn't seem like a joke. And, and, and he kind of gets people. He goes, Did I ever tell you about the time I saved the lives of all 543 people on my ship? And you know, when I I go, No. And when someone else hears it, you don't know, Okay, wow. Well, what's this going to be? Like, is this a joke? Is this something else? Is it, well, What's it going to be? I, I don't know. He goes, Yeah. He goes, Yeah. And he gets, you know, and he, then he stops for a second, and, and he was waiting for someone to ask him, You know, what'd you do? It's. In ver- whether it was me, some else, say, like, "What'd you do?" He says, "I threw the cook overboard." And then it takes people a second, and then they go, "Oh!" And it never fails. Never, I- I've seen him tell it, I don't know, fifty times. It never fails to get to get a big response.
2: It's a good one. I like it. I th- he threw the cook overboard. Got it. Noted. Yes. To anyone who has served uh, or people who continue to serve, like from both me and Jason, everybody at Fox Sports Radio. That, that's a pretty amazing and selfless thing th- that that you do. And it's it's fascinating. We talked about being a dad, you know, like I'm – my son is doing Revolutionary War history, and, you know, we're, we're talking about these things, and we started talking about the service. And he said, you know, do you have to go to the service? I was like, no, it's a volunteer army. It's like, people volunteer for that? I was like, yeah, well, they get paid for it. He goes, how much? I was like, I don't know. not. I mean – it's, it's a good job. There's really good benefits, but you know, you, there's things you have to surrender and, and give up. He's like, man, those people are awesome. I go, yes, they are awesome. So today is the day in which you are, you should be awesome every day, right? It's like mother's day, right? If you, if mother's day is the only day you tell your mom, you're awesome. You're probably not doing a great job. If today is the only day you're telling a military, a service member, uh, you're, you're awesome. Then you're not doing a good job, but it, it, there's, there's nothing wrong with telling people you're, they're awesome today.
1: Mm. And Did your son ask you, Dad, so was Alexander Hamilton really that important in the Revolutionary War? Because that's what I... Was Hamilton really that important? Because, I mean, you know, the play and everything. Was he that big? He was never president, was he? I go, no, no, he wasn't, but he was important. But it's it's great. You know, you talk about doing Revolutionary War. Kids are growing up now with a completely different look at American history. Like, yeah, Washington was the president, but, man, Hamilton. Oh, my God, all those great songs. Hamilton really was the guy behind everything.
2: Yeah, my kids don't know Hamilton. He was. He's doing... Uh... He has a John Adams presentation, which is funny because a good friend of mine, John Adams, used to be head of the uh, NCAA referees, right? And so I was, I'm immediately thinking of him like, yeah, we could have John Adams and we could do his history and just go, oh, I thought you said John Adams. I didn't know John Adams was the first one-termer. He was only a one-term president.
1: Yeah. And, uh, and, and every you said that he's doing a thing on John Adams. Anybody seen Hamilton just went, oh, man, John Adams, what a waste he was. <laughs> because that, that's how everybody thinks of John Adams. He was, you know, yeah. he was short and he, you know, one term and he was a bad president when before nobody really had any thoughts about John Adams. Yeah, it was Washington, and then it was Adams, and then it was Jefferson, and then it was uh, – but you just kind of just blow by John Adams, and now he's got a much different uh, uh, history look back at him. Uh so this weekend we we have, to, we have big things from uh Troy Vincent uh on the NFL and their return in a second, but uh, did you see Eli Manning join Twitter this weekend yes. and, and, and yes. got roasted by Tom Brady? Yes. I don't know that that Twitter's gonna be for Eli. I feel like seeing some of his tweets, he has the Jimmy Chitwood tweet, uh and and you know, talking about trying and, and coming on social media I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know that he has the, uh, the, the kind of personality for all the, the what he's going to get in his timeline uh, from fans when he says something. He's going, boy, look at what these people are telling me to go do to myself. Wow, I, I, don't, know about, I don't know about Twitter. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of nervous for Eli. Yeah, I
2: mean, like, look, you're assuming that he's going to read his mentions and that he's going to be on it all the time. And I think a lot of these guys – with Twitter, sometimes they'll you know during an event they'll get on it, but they probably have a publicist who handles it as well. I, I would agree with you like it's a weird time to get on it, but he got on it right right when his brother's playing on TV playing golf. i I, I really like the Manning family. I mean obviously the way in which they're they're kind of portrayed is immensely likable, but God they' they're just they're funny. they're really like funny in a natural way, and they see the aweshucks thing kind of does does work for him. I don't know if it's real or not. But I, I, my little time I spent with Peyton, it feels real. Um, but I, I, I like them, and I like Eli on Twitter. Especially if you can, if if somebody, if somebody sends him a picture of of Eli face, I can't wait to hear what his response is. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, how much, uh, how much do you look at your ads when you're on Twitter? You look at them a lot, once in a while, every day. How much do you look at them?
2: Uh uh, very rarely now i used to live look i used to kind of live in that that realm you go back maybe five six years ago i was probably too much in my mentions and you know trying to respond to what people were saying um now and very very little you
1: uh, once in a while I will. Sometimes it depends. I'll go through and see if anybody that I follow or, or with a, with a blue check mark that's in the, in the industry with us, will say something like, Oh, okay. You know, they'll come back and, and say things. And, but you know, it, it really kind of depends. Uh, it just kind of depends on the mood I'm in. Oh uh, yeah. Let me go through and see what's being said. Here if I see it. And, but a lot of times I'm like, you know what, I, I kind of know how things are going to go here. So I'm just going to say what I'm going to say on social media. And then I'm just going to back off for a while. And then, uh, and, and maybe check the ads another time. It just—it just, it just kind of depends on my mood. And then sometimes I'll go and say, "Oh, this is really cool," and I'll stay on my ads for a while and I'll answer questions. And then sometimes I'll just go, "Yep, nope, I'm good. I'm going to go do something else. I'm just going to just wipe my hands of it and walk away." And I think Eli's going to wind up having to do that a little bit. Just because, just because I I can't, you know, I'm just picturing him trying to get through and people are what people are, ta- are going to say about him and his lifetime record and all this stuff. And you didn't stand up, you didn't go visit Plaxico Burris in jail. You know that's going to come up, and it's going to be whoa, 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 whoa. Like I think he's going to be surprised by the whole thing.
2: Yes, like, you're just, sometimes you like, wait, what happened here? Like, you like I, I have no idea what I stepped into. It is a, it's a, you know, it's like, it's like sometimes listening to the Jim Rohn show where you, if you haven't listened in years, you're like, I don't even know what they're talking about, right? They're making references to things thing. Like, I don't know what they're, like, I got to get out of this thing. I don't know, I don't know what they're talking about. Like, if you haven't been on social media and, like, you're not aware, like, you know, if you don't know of, who was it? Was it Nelly who had the bad audio with, um... He was doing a live like rap off with somebody going back to last week. Like, right, again, like if you don't know that exists, you're just sitting there going like, why are people talking about Nelly? Well, why? Am, I don't understand this. <laughs> Moving on. I do think it can be a little bit. You, you can feel like many of us feel when we watch the Grammys. Right. We're like, I don't know any of these albums. I don't know any of these artists. I, I can't watch this thing. That's what I think sometimes it feels like when you're on Twitter.
1: What is this? What is this rony that keeps trending? Why is Ron- real housewives of New York? Why is that on there? Why are people- why is Annalise trending? I don't understand. Like, it's, he's like, it's like it's a whole new world that's going to be opened up for him. Yep. Uh, so Troy Vincent this weekend, pretty interesting thing. Uh, Vincent is the NFL's head of football operations, been the head of, head of football operations uh, going on seven years now. And uh, he gave a pretty big statement uh, this weekend by saying that the NFL is planning for full stadiums this year, quote, until the medical community tells us otherwise. And when I see this from Troy Vincent, Doug, I, I think, okay, I know what's going on. The NFL is not going to play in September. They're not. I mean, when they, they have their plan that they threw out there, the kind of idly that Roger Goodell said, "Well, we have a plan for the middle of October that would take the NFL season through till the end of February, play the Super Bowl the end of February." But that that that's our plan B. The more time that goes on, I think that's the plan A. All right, because first of all, you have. The NFL has not paused at all during the coronavirus pandemic, right? They didn't pause for free agency. They didn't pause for the draft. They didn't pause to release the schedule. They have been a full bore. We're going ahead with our season. This is how we're doing it. And so if you're not stopping at all, but you have this plan for October, and now you hear Troy Vincent saying we're planning on full stadiums. I don't know that you're going to get the okay to do that in the beginning of September. And when you're playing exhibition games in, in the, in the month of August, but by the end of the year, which is when Dr. Anthony Fauci had said, ah, I could see some people coming back to football games towards the end of the year. I, I, I think that's the NFL's a plan. I don't think they, they have any, they're operating under any illusion. They're going to actually play the beginning of September. We're going to have the Thursday night kickoff and then we're going to go. I think, mean, we're going to go the middle of October week five is going to the beginning. We're going to get Tom Brady on that Thursday night game. Cause that's the Thursday night week five game. And they're going to flip the first four weeks to the end of the calendar. If, if, if I had all my money, had to push it on one of those dates, I would say NFL's mid October is really their plan. A.
2: am going to disagree with you. I think they're going to have, I think they'll be fine. I just, I just do. I, I'm, I'm, please don't think that I'm a denier of what COVID has been and the number of deaths, right? Like, it's like, you'll get people saying, well, you know, the flu, like, look, if you actually do some research, the flu numbers aren't real numbers. It's a, it's a, it's a calculation uh, based upon spikes in deaths during a, a certain time of the year when, when flu is present. That's what it is. These are real numbers in a short period of time. The hundred thousand people you're talking about. So I, I, I have full respect for that, and I, and the flattening the curve was is a is of utmost importance. And I don't know whether we flattened enough. If we should have waited longer. Or whatever. I just I don't see us going back into quarantine. I I don't see it going. I I could be wrong. I reserve the right to be wrong. I don't see us going back to that point, and I don't see the NFL not having games or pushing back their game, pushing back their schedule, as you said. They haven't changed anything. Now, they haven't had to because they haven't had any live sports games. But my guess would be there's just the unintended consequences of moving it a week or a month. And, oh, yeah, by the way, all these college students who are not going back after Thanksgiving break, you know, uh, one, that's going to be more viewers on TV. But, two, that's the later in the year appears by most people's estimation to be the more dangerous time of the year. I I don't think we're going to miss a single NFL football game. I think by hook or by crook, they'll do it.
1: But if if they get the chance to say, okay, you can start now, or if you start in mid-October, we can loosen things up and get fans to come in, I, I think they'll push it to mid-October. They don't want to play without fans. I mean, other sports
2: are much no, more okay no, without no, it. But, but, but they don't want the, to play without fans. Here's the thing, fans. Jason. Jason Jace, Jace, it's, like, it's like the people who are fighting having the athletes back on campus or in facilities. Like, there's We're not getting a – first of all, anybody, we're like we're gonna we're not getting a vaccine. Okay, so – for, for this football season, for this fall, we're not having vaccine. If that's part of your argument that in order for these things to happen, we had to have a vaccine, then we need to seriously consider canceling everything because we're not going to have vaccine. Okay? That's the first thing. The second thing is that I, I believe getting these athletes back into their facilities, getting them one, antibodies test, because I would guess that a good portion of people have had it, but but two... Um, somebody's going to get sick and they're going to get treated and they're going to get better. Whereas if you, the longer you wait and then you wait, you're like, all right, well, let's push it back. And then we get to, you know, late August into September and somebody gets back. Now you run the risk of canceling everything cause you haven't treated it before. So th- this, th- this gives you and and also remember, and this is r- probably the most important point that I feel like I've, I've made. You're not, if you're staying at home, you're not in a bubble anymore right? Everybody, social distancing isn't over, but it feels like it's essentially over. And if it's not over yet, it's going to be in the coming weeks. So if you think that keeping an athlete professional, collegiate high school at home protects them, it doesn't, it doesn't like we've opened back up the world to all of the germs. They're all going to be spread again. And let's, let's see what happens, but you're actually in a much more contained environment. If you go to your facility or if you go to your college campus than you are, if you just stay at home.
1: Well, I, I think there's a difference between quarantine being over and social distancing being over. You know, I, I, I think I, as, as we talked about, we talked at the beginning of the show, this weekend, I think, was the big, OK, quarantine is over. All right. You know, the, the whole oh, we're staying home all the time. Uh, people are past that. E- even the most staunchest of we need to stay home, need to stay home. I think we, we move past that. But still, social distancing is going to continue to be a thing. We're still going to be wearing masks. There's still going to be. Uh, businesses that are going to say you got to wear a mask coming in and that might be what, what it winds up being where we can get back to everything being normal, but you got to wear a mask and your restaurants may be different and how they wind up doing it. Maybe it's you wind up sitting outside. Uh, now we're getting into the summer months and, and being outside is OK. So maybe, you know, dining on the patio is what they do and they limit being able to dine inside uh, when, when it comes to it. Your server may wear a mask. You may not be, have to wear a mask, but we're still going to have the social distancing part of it. And if it becomes too difficult cult of, uh, of even just a just an optic of boy 50,000 fans you know ne- next to each other without any kind of mass or any kind of 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 of, of using anything that's going to potentially stop the spread of this that that's going to be difficult to get by, you know. To say, okay, well, boy, this is really tough because look, this weekend you're going to get stuff coming off of of church services and of parties uh, and and you know beachgoers where you you might see a coronavirus spike, and then suddenly it's all right. Maybe we have to do something else, but I, I think that social distancing is still going to be there in the fall, and and if it turns out to be, hey, we. we we can sell every fifth seat or every fourth seat in, in, in uh, football. Ohio State's got a plan saying, hey, we're looking at uh, you know potentially having anywhere from 20 to 50,000 fans at a game if we have to sit you know every other seat or every third seat. Now that I could see, but I think that that's going to be something that we're going to need a little bit longer to get to. To that point, then that's why I think when we get to September and maybe we're not there. But if we get back into school and kids go back to school and we figure that out, then by the time mid-October hits, then I think we can have it.
2: I think the big question is going to be who's going to have the money to buy these tickets. You know, like like right now, we're all kind of operating in this fantasy world because our government's pumping money, you know, into the economy because because of how dramatic the spike has been in unemployment but either, you know, at some point they're like, all right, we're, we're good, you know? Um, but, but even if you're living on, uh, on, uh, the, the government's, uh, supplementation of your income, you're you're not going to spend a couple hundred bucks or thousand bucks to go to an NFL game. Are you right? like, I, 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 we just it, t- tell me where that money, tell me where that money is coming from. Like at, at some point, You got to say to yourself, like if you're the NFL, like, man, even when we open it back up, who's going to be able to afford tickets? And it was a tough sell to begin with because when you're at an NFL game, you couldn't watch the other games. You can't, you know, follow your fantasy team. You can't do red zone. So I, there's, there's, there's a lot to it, but I, I would say I'm, I'm of the belief that, uh, it, it was, we were told it was about flattening the curve. Will we see another spike? I guess we'll find out in two weeks because so many people have decided they're completely done with the whole thing. And my guess is by September, NFL teams find a way to get people in stadiums.
1: Twitter at How about a fresca? Doug at Gottlieb Show. Jason Smith. Doug Gottlieb in for Dan and the Danets Nets today. You're sure to claim the coveted title of best on the block this summer when you cook on a Traeger grill. That's because Traeger grills are fueled by all natural hardwood pellets that infuse food with real wood-fired flavor, making everything you cook on them taste amazing. And if you think I'm just talking about burgers and brisket? Well, I am, but I'm also talking about pizza, nachos, veggies, even cookies and cocktails. Traeger offers six-in-one versatility that gives you the ability to smoke grill, roast, bake, braise, and barbecue, meaning you can cook just about anything on one of these grills. Plus, Traeger makes cooking delicious food incredibly simple. Controlling the grill's temperature is as easy as using an oven. Just pick the temp you want and the Traeger will do the rest of the work for you. And with Wi-Fi technology, you can control your grill right from your phone using the Traeger app. That means you can monitor internal food temperatures and change grill settings while lounging by the pool. How cool is that? If you're ready to blow away the neighborhood competition this year, contact your local local dealer or visit traegergrills.com slash dp show that's com slash dp show today coming up next we got more on the return of major league baseball plus a big story out of football reggie bush has had some eye-opening comments about paying college athletes keep it right here this is fox sports radio
0: be sure to catch the live edition of the dan patrick show weekdays at 9 a.m eastern 6 a.m pacific on fox sports radio and the iheart radio app
1: fox sports radio the dan patrick show happy memorial day jason smith doug gottlieb in for dan the danettes today uh got a big story coming out of the nfl reggie bush saying some pretty interesting things got that coming up in a few minutes but joining us now on the hotline normally he'd be joining us to talk about where the major league baseball season is at first two months of the season whatever big memorial day quadruple header we have instead it's about the return you can follow him on Twitter at Scott Miller BBL. That's at Scott Miller BBL. Scott Miller, friend of the show, national MLB columnist for Bleacher Report and Turner Sports. Scott, how's it going, man?
0: Good, uh, Jason and Doug. Uh, happy Memorial Day.
1: Right. So, uh, as we sit right now, instead of talking about the games, we're talking about getting ready to come back. Uh, where are you, as far as when you know people you've been talking to? When actually we could, first of all, get a decision on when you know baseball what they're going to agree to to come back and then what would happen right after that
0: you know i think um the decision as usual won't come as quick as people would like uh, you know tomorrow I, the next week to 10 days is going to be big tomorrow the owners are going to uh, present the players with a financial proposal you know they met two weeks ago to begin the latest negotiations you guys have heard all about the health proposals the players and owners have been kicking around, you know uh, about you know what the protocols are going to be, you know, if and when the game comes back. They've moved through quite a few of those, uh, but now comes the money part. And I think in the end, the two sides will get together because I just think too much is at stake. that both sides are already losing so much money this year. Obviously, you know, if you play, you get at least some of that back. Plus, there's pressure you know nationally, I mean, everybody wants sports to come back. everybody wants a game to come back. That said, you know negotiations are negotiations, and you know the 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 financial part begins this week, and you know, I think if you're talking spring training part two beginning you know June tenth to fifteenth, somewhere in that range, which is what they would like, then you're going to have to have an agreement hammered out sometime around June 1st or the first few days in June. If you go much beyond that, then the spring training part two has to be pushed back. Then the proposed opening day of the first week of July has to get pushed back and the whole trickle-down effect begins.
2: All right, so Scott, how long do you think it takes these teams to legitimately be ready?
0: Um, You know, Doug, ready is probably a relative question. I mean, You know, pitchers, obviously, are the big thing. i say three weeks, preferably they'll have three weeks of spring training, part two. But even at that, I'm not sure, you know, I I don't know. You're not going to see starting pitchers ready to go seven or eight innings out of the gate. So I, I think even with, in a perfect scenario right now, they come back to spring training, like I say, mid-June, you know, squeeze in maybe three weeks at the most of spring training. I think the hitters will be fairly ready, but even after that, you know, you'll see tag team pitching staffs. Uh, you know, if uh, you know, assuming the game goes back on the field early July, in other words, you'll have starting pitchers. You know, maybe go four or five innings, six at the most, and then it'll be a reliever and a reliever and a reliever, and, and that's why. Rosters we're going to expand to 26 this year, uh, 26 players per team. Probably, when all is said and done, once they negotiate, you're going to see rosters of 30, 31, 32. And, And most of those extra players will be pitchers, and it'll be because of what I just said, because after three weeks, starting pitchers won't quite be back up to speed, and you'll have some extra pitchers on each staff.
1: Uh, Scott, how much of the, of the comeback is being pushed due to pressure of seeing sports return? Because the, the one thing I'm seeing from, from baseball players that's different from the other sports is the big question about uh, health and making sure everything is okay for us, for people who come to the games, for the workers. Uh, it, I've seen that more from baseball players than a- anybody else. Is, is the pressure of to push baseball coming back uh, maybe what's, what's – uh, keeping this uh as a halt right now and as as the players try to figure out how much they're ready to come back at this point
0: you know, I, I think every, jason i think everybody wants to play i think the reason you've seen the health component talked about more from baseball players than in other sports i think it's two things one uh you know baseball could be the first sport to come back so it's legitimate health concerns uh, you know I don't want to diminish that but but so so that that's that's part of that, but I think the second reason you've seen some talk about health from players is um you know when was it about three weeks ago that that it leaked that owners wanted the players to go do a revenue sharing split, and the players thought it would be salary cap and they didn't want to do that, and things got a little bit ugly well, I think the that's why the owners, when when they came back for negotiations, the owners led with the health component, not with the financial component. And I think, basically, like any negotiations, and, and this is really touchy because obviously, uh, this pandemic has been horrible for the country, horrible for everybody. But if you if you just look at the negotiations on their own, a lot of it always comes down to spin, right? Like the the the, the players. Want to take their righteous ground? The owners want to take their righteous ground, and the players aren't going to win if they say you need to give us our money. We're not taking that big of a hit, but they they can get more public uh, opinion on their side if they talk the health issue. So again, I'm not I'm not diminishing the health issue at all. I'm not saying that the players aren't concerned with the health issue. It is a legitimate, and they do want to make sure that you know, everything's safe and sound when they come back. But that second part is also why I think you've heard about the health from the players, because they ain't going to win any, any public opinion battles. If they just talk about money.
2: Scott, uh, the the money its not just the money. It's all the precedent, right? Tony Clark has to get this thing done, right? Because he's under an immense amount of pressure for the next CBA, which is, you Mm -hmm. know, less than like a year off. I mean, there, there's, there's a bunch of different, it's not, I mean, tell, tell me if I'm wrong here, it's not just, hey, can we get you back on the field playing and what is the appropriate going rate for players to be playing in empty stadiums? It's what sort of precedent does this set for the new collective bargaining agreement and the players are already operating under this thought that we got destroyed last time, we got to get back some ground this time.
0: Yeah, and that that factors into it as well, Doug. There's no question, and because in, in 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 a normal world, which my goodness, it's hard to remember that now, isn't it? But in a normal world with no pandemic, the the, the basic agreement between the players and owners, it, the the current one expires after next season, the 2021 season. So, on a normal calendar this would be about the time the players and owners would be just starting to meet. Uh, Cause you know, they start meeting a, more than a year out for, when it comes time to negotiate the next base agreement. So they would just be starting to have some meetings that wouldn't exactly be pressurized yet. Cause they, they, they'd be staking out their territory and they'd be saying a year, you know, we, we've got a year and a half or whatever it is now until, until we got to figure this out. Well, all of a sudden you're right. The, the pandemic, uh, has blown everything up, so now the players and owners all of a sudden have to negotiate something rapidly, and with the basic agreement that's a year and a half or less away expiring, um, so it's almost like they got it not you know barely have time to do this before they have to get on to the next one. And yeah, I mean if 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 the players give too much in this one, then they feel like uh, that, that'll put them behind as they start negotiating for the next basic agreement which is going to come pretty much the negotiations will start right about the time they finish getting this year's done and so yeah it's a very uh slippery slope for for both sides but you're right especially the players because they, they feel like they got played last time
1: on Twitter at Scott Miller BBL, that is at Scott Miller BBL, national baseball columnist for Bleach Report, Turner Sports. Scott, appreciate your time with us this morning. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great day.
0: I hope you and all the listeners stay safe and healthy and uh, enjoy some burgers or something out there for Memorial Day.
1: <laughs> Thanks a bunch, Scott. Appreciate it, buddy. Uh, so, Doug, let me ask you this because obviously, listen, as, as Scott said, uh, you know, big Memorial Day, big day in baseball. You know, how, how much is, uh, is is your son missing baseball right now?
2: Um, a lot. I mean, like, you know, <clears throat> you know, right now he'd be missing flag football, baseball and basketball. So yeah, he's, he's not, he's not, not too keen on on not seeing his buddies and playing sports.
1: Yeah, it's because my daughter misses softball, but at the same time, it's like real. It, it, <clears throat> is it? It's really hard for me to even get her out of the house to do something. You know, like I feel like the kids. Yeah, they, we're they do. To- they go.
2: They go through that. They go through a little bit of depression, and you gotta find different ways. He had a couple meltdowns over like, yeah, hey, uh, I'm not. I'm, I'm lacking motivation. You know, normally I'm super. He's a super motivated guy. I mean, look, what, what's helped with us is we've started back some basketball workouts. We started back having. I have one kid over to, to shoot. Uh, he has like a shoot. We have a shooting machine that he shoots with and, you know, playing baseball, if he plays with a, does something with a buddy, it's way better, but I, I get it. Yeah. They do even the most active kids. Suddenly you take away that interaction with other people and they become inactive and sometimes they become a little depressed.
1: Twitter out, how about a fresca? Doug at Gottlieb Show. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan and the Danettes today. We'll have more baseball coming up later on in the show. Uh, but something we talked about a few minutes ago, uh, I want to deliver on that tease, as we say in the radio business, as uh, Reggie Bush did an interview with Playboy, and, you know, which is where all our big interviews should come from. Uh, Reggie Bush interview with Playboy that is just uh, hitting the uh, Internet now and he talked about how concerned he was about the NCAA's recent support of a player endorsement plan, saying that paying college athletes for their names and likenesses is, quote, going to destroy some people. Quote, guidance is the one thing that young athletes coming through the college system miss on so much. I missed on it. They're about to start paying college athletes. This is something that has never been experienced before, and it's going to destroy some people if their foundation is not in the right place. Now, I I get what he's saying in, in, in a vacuum that, listen, hey, you give money to kids, if they're not ready to handle it, then it's it's difficult. But really, you know, anytime time you give kids money, whether they're 19, 20, or 21, if they're not ready to handle it, they're not ready to handle it. Um, you know, what, what do you think about what D- Reggie Bush has said so far, Doug?
2: I think there's a lot of wisdom in it. I think, you know, I, I just do. It's, it's. I mean, look, there's, there's the first, the, the simple question of, uh, you know, are they going to pay the taxes on it? Because they're going to be taxed on on money they receive. Um, and so are they going to pay taxes on it? What what happens to their scholarships? Do they Is there a chance that those are taxed or other benefits they have are taxed? That's the first thing, but not just the idea of taxing, but the responsibility of doing it and the punishment if you don't pay your taxes. But yeah, just this idea. You, throw, I mean, I, I think Mike Tyson said it best. Um, years ago, he said, like, you want to see a tragedy? Take a kid from nowhere, give him all the power in the world all the money in the world and no guidance and there you go like that it's like a greek tragedy and i think that's a little bit of what reggie's talking about he's like we all think of it like okay you'll get however much money from a local car dealership to make an appearance and forget about the the pandemic which may eliminate some of this for a year or two anyway but let's just say you get it one do you have the responsibility of will you pay the taxes on it that you need to pay on whatever money you get two you're going to are you just gonna go spend it, right? We can go like when I was in my twenties. If I got a thousand bucks, like probably have gotten rims and tires, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to get rims and rims and tires and and some gear. So, you know, like you just it it ends up. And then there's the are you you sending money to people who who need it or just people who want it or make them make themselves feel entitled to getting it? You know, there's a lot of levels to it. But I think Reggie Bush is somebody who is been through this and understands what it's like to be a young man in a place like Southern California and being offered the world. Like you're just not ready. That's, that's part of the whole thing with college. I'm trying to explain to people, you're just not ready for all that. That's why you go to college. You need to learn all these other kind of little things. And, and some of it, they are teaching more now in college in terms of being a professional. Some of it is just social, emotional growth that you have to go through and our desire to pay people as soon as, as possible. It, it, it doesn't, traditionally work out better because of it we're not better because we got a check because we got money in our like that it's never been never been what anything's about in terms of growing so i I don't know i'm i'm kind of with reggie on this one especially because he's lived it and he knows it better than than maybe anybody else
1: see I, i look at it this way i disagree a bit in that if let's say let's take reggie bush for example or or any big College basketball star. The list of people that be getting paid is really tiny. Like if you're talking about players, you're paying them for their likenesses and their jerseys. Well, how how many how many guys are having that jersey made that people are actually buying? You know, you're talking about maybe one or two stars per team. So it's not quite the, the you know the blanket. Okay, all these guys are getting paid. If you're at that point where your jersey is getting made, well, then you are a year away from being you know, paid professionally or, or leaving school to go to the NFL draft or to go to the go, go to the NBA. And at that point, you should be having people in helping you. You're going to have somebody in a year anyway. And anybody that's getting paid under the table now or for whatever, you're still having people that are advising you. And so it, it's just about making better decisions with who you surround yourself with, and I don't know that a year is is a difference because you're going to be making these decisions not by yourself, but usually with your family, with your parents or your guardians, whoever you know, whoever is you know you've grown up and you're living with. So I feel like okay, I, I get it in theory, but if if you're making these decisions anyway and you're getting money somehow, what you have to do with it, it, it's it's the same thing you'd be doing in a year, and you're already doing it to an extent in college anyway. So I'm. I'm trying to see where where this is going to be something where they put a system in place that's really going to help and change things
2: i think it'll be more kids than you think i don't think they'll be paying true truthfully for their name and likeness it'll be more you know like hey we had the football team they're all going to be at such and such restaurant you know on a monday after the game and then everybody gets everybody's going to get you know a couple hundred bucks for an appearance that's generally the way i would guess it will work more often um, because you can't, the, the problem with like the car dealerships is you're not going to be able to do anything that, you know, if it's a sponsor of a school that, that, that if, if it's somebody that doesn't sponsor the school, you're not gonna be able to do it. And if they sponsor the school, why are they going to give money? It, it's, it's a little bit confusing in terms of who will actually be able to pay. So my guess would be, it will be small time, kind of nickel and dime stuff where you'll be able to. You know, have a, a group of kids after a big game, before a big game, recruiting weekend or whatever. You have them stop by and they, they get paid. They sign some autographs or whatever. Um, e- even though they don't really have value, it's essentially pay for play. And it's just kind of under the, under the guise of, of name, image and likeness.
1: See, I like the fact that you would have bought rims. 'Cause I think I think I would have bought gear. I'd have bought jerseys, I'd have bought you know, jerseys like you know, they would have been like a $100, $150. bucks. I'd have bought a couple of really cool ones, but I like that you went right to rims. I mean rims yes. cause I, I don't know that you could have done rims and tires for a thousand bucks. You might have just been able to do rims.
2: Oh no, in 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 two thousand, you absolutely could have done rims and tires for a thousand bucks. Not necessarily good ones, but you could do rims and tires. I mean, you're talking about college rims and tires, yeah, no question. College rims and tires you could have bought out of the back of somebody, you know, you pull up to a stoplight and somebody's like, Hey man, you want a stereo? oh yeah i don't know why like pull over and then they like pop out of stereo like okay i mean you know yeah that was the speaker i bought a a big bass i bought some speakers like that i'm not gonna lie
1: did you really you put people pulled up and said hey you guys i got some speakers in the back you want some yes really how were how were they
2: good worked out fine for my dorm room when i was in college it was great
1: okay i mean they were good No issues they were good. Spe- it wasn't just like, "Hey, yeah. it sounded good in the," and then I I, I got it home, and then you know, there's a bunch of rats eating cables inside it. No. Wow, you're like the only person I know that has bought you know, stereo off a truck, and it's worked
2: that well for. I, I, I I'm I'm definitely an outlier in that case.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, I just sold rims to Doug Gott. I just sold stereo to Doug Gottlieb. I, <laughs> gave me his autograph and everything. Cause it would have been before selfies.
2: Before selfies, and I'm not sure the guy. The guy didn't know who I was, whatever. We just started like talking and negotiating, whatever. And I was like, "All right, hook him up. Let me hear." And I was like, "Yeah, this doesn't work." I mean, I think I paid like something crazy low, like 200 bucks or something for it, and I ended up working. I used them for my whole. I used them post college and stuff. I may still have. No, I don't think I have them. <laughs> I, I had them for a long time. Your
1: son's going to, you still got him, dad? I can put him in my room now. You still got him? I'll use him. Well, now
2: you have Bluetooth, everything, and you just carry around your own speaker. It's (laughs) so lame compared to trying to figure out the cords and twisting the little copper part and all that stuff.
1: Twitter at How about a fresca Doug at Gottlieb Show, Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan and the Danettes today here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, coming up next, we got the Lance Dance to get to is now with Last Dance Done, Lance Armstrong's documentary making some headlines. We'll get into that straight ahead. This is Fox Sports Radio.
0: Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon, weekdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific.
1: Fox Sports Radio, The Dan Patrick Show, Jason Smith and Doug Gottlieb in for Dan and the Danettes today. It was just last Sunday, we said goodbye to The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary, biography. And then you knew we were going to get the onslaught of copycats or what's the next Last Dance? And now Lance Armstrong, his 30 for 30, debuting last night in which he had a lot of F-bombs that he threw at the camera and telling some stories, uh, you know, the thing that gets me on this, Doug, is that now everybody's going to be looking for the next Last Dance and what's next, what, what's the story we can tell, what's something we can have. And, and I think we kind of have to temper expectations that nothing's going to have that kind of impact. I don't see there being any di- that, that is coming down the pipe anytime soon that's going to have any kind of impact like Last Dance did.
2: Um, I would agree with you. I think... There's 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 a couple levels to it. One, it is it's during basketball season when there was no basketball, playoff season when there was no basketball. Two, it was Michael Jordan, and you know uh, it was about championships. And then you know I I thought ESPN did a great job promoting it, and then I thought it was it it was it was good. Um, and it was an it was an era of the sport that people loved and loved to look back with, with with glistening eyes. Over, I I don't like the Lance Armstrong documentary is very very different in a different tone, but no, it will not have the same impact or be discussed at nearly the same amount. Although I, I can talk about it for days, uh, that the, the last dance will, you
1: know, what, what, I think people miss a little bit. As you say, yes, it was a time in the, you know, Michael Jordan, we want to look back at that. How much of a desire is to look back at Lance Armstrong's career? You know, I really want to see and go through everything uh, that went on the past few years with his doping scandal and, and winning Tour de France. Now, it's it's a fascinating story, but it just doesn't have that same overall, well, I got to go see this. and And part of that is that, you know, we went back and looked at last and stuff you know jordan was the biggest icon in the world and he came about in the age before social media so while we still knew a lot about michael jordan's life and his career and certainly some of the stories that we heard we knew and we liked hearing him again there was a lot of new information there just because you know it wasn't that time but like all these these people that that are being trotted out there for documentaries you know, lance armstrong Age of social media. You know, we knew everything about Lance Armstrong. Tiger Woods, we know everything about Tiger Woods. Well, what are we going to find out that we don't know? Tom Brady, what are we going to find out we don't know about, you know, all, really? all nine of his Super Bowls? Wait, wait I, I, really? I, I, I don't know that we're going to find anything new that's going to be, wow, this is unbelievable. Stuff that may be a headline for a few hours after the show airs, and then afterwards we're going to be on to something else.
2: Oh, I'd, I'd really disagree with you on that. I mean, there's so much about the Tiger stuff we don't know. There's a ton about Tom Brady and the Patriots we don't know. And Lance Armstrong stuff just in one episode. I, you know, there's so much more we, we didn't know. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to just I'm going to totally disagree because the social media stuff is all BS as part of the deal. And you start to see this is this is really how it works. What but
1: the, the age of instant information is 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 more what I mean that that we know everything about these guys. Look, what's what's Brady going to say? What's Brady really going to say during his uh, d- during his big look back at his Super Bowls? That's going to be something we go, oh my god, I can't believe that he's not going to throw Bill Belichick under the
2: bus. Well, 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 well Brady, Bra- okay, so Brady doesn't say, but that doesn't mean somebody else that they interview, some other story that you know, the 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 Deflate Gate. I mean, what's the real story behind that? Or the Spy Gate? What's the real story behind that? Like, there's lots of stuff we have no idea about. We don't know about conversations and like. Did you know that Dennis Robin flew off to Vegas for 48 hours? And, or that, that Jordan had to go into his Chicago apartment and get him, you know, he Carmen Electro is hiding behind, you know, hiding from, from Jordan? Like, you know, there's all kinds of little quirky stories that make it. I, and then you get to, to Lance's stuff, and there's so, like, I always suspected that he knew what he was putting into his body, but like, to the level to which they were all doing it and they all knew, uh, and they're all admitting it is I, I, I wasn't ready for, I guess I was ready for, but I'm sur- even surprised by. So um, I'm going to disagree with you that there's not, the, the, we'll, we'll never have another Jordan. I mean, Jordan was such an iconic figure, brand guy, plus the, the six championships. On the other hand, uh, that doesn't mean that there won't be some really, really good and interesting documentaries that we, we won't watch as much, but we will definitely watch now because, uh, because of The Last Dance made it cool to watch documentaries again.
1: You know, that that I think is going to wind up being what The Last Dance's legacy is, is that it's going to spawn this new interest in whatever the sports doc genre turns into is what we're going to get because of Last Dance. That's going to be its lasting impact after this. Twitter at right? How Fair About enough. a Fresca, Doug at Gottlieb Show. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb, in for Dan and the That's Phone number eight seven seven ninety nine on Fox, 877 We'll have more on that coming up. we got Rick Buecher in about a half hour now from now. But coming up next, we look back at the big and wild golf weekend involving Brady and Peyton Manning and Tiger and Phil Fox.